It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. A slew of industry executives speaking on Bloomberg about the challenges and the opportunities ahead for the EV market. And we want to continue that conversation right now with another major industry executive. John Lawler is the chief financial officer over at Ford. John, a real pleasure to have you here on SEB. Thanks for having me. My big question is, when am I going to get to buy an $11,000 EV from Ford? <laughs> well, it's coming. Um, when? When? Well, I think you'll have to wait a few more years. But, um, you know, one of the advantages we have is we've been out with our first generation vehicles now for up to three years. We've been developing our second generation of vehicles, which is a whole new breakthrough. We've brought in people from outside of Ford that have expertise in that, and we are developing a low-cost EV platform so that we can be a big part of this S-curve when it comes time. And that is, I think, coming uh, in a couple years from now, and I think it's going to be a big inflection point for the industry when more affordable EVs come online. Do you feel like the industry was surprised by the hybrid? I know that everyone has some hybrids, but really Toyota bet a lot on that farm. Mm -hmm. And it feels like the industry went full throttle into high-end EVs. Do you feel like we missed a trick here? No, I don't think so. One of the things about Ford that's really good is we lead in hybrids as well. We have the number one selling hybrid truck and the number one two selling hybrid truck. Um, it grew 20% for us last year. We expect it to grow 40% this year. So we have the ability to provide our customers choice, gas, hybrid, and EV. And I think that's really important in the transition because it is a stepping stone for consumers. Well, what's that balance right now? Because it seemed, at least coming into this year and really last year, when you started to see the rollout of, uh, of the Mach-E and of Lightning, and you started to get this sense here that this was the direction the company was going. When the sales numbers came in, we saw that demand was at least less than some of the initial projections. Right, demand is yeah. less on the, on the yeah. electric vehicles. Yeah. We have three divisions, and we broke them out into segments last year so that you could see what's happening with each of the businesses. Mm -hmm. We're growing across all three of those businesses. Mm -hmm. Our pro business is very profitable, our blue business is profitable, mm -hmm. and EVs, we're still incurring losses at the start. But what you're finding is that um, as this transition happens, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how quickly. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yes, it's slower than what people thought. Right. The S curve or the adoption curve is less because we're now moving from early adopters to early majority. Mm -hmm. And there's different satisfaction issues that they have around charging and or price that needs to be resolved. So you're still confident on the long-term trajectory? I'm very confident. As you know, of course, Wall Street investors tend to focus a little bit more on the short term. And when they look at some of the losses in that unit, the question that seems to come up time and time again is, until we get to whatever that future is going to be, how much 
of the development on the EV side of that business can sort of feed into some of the other businesses in a way that maybe mitigates or at least makes those losses a little bit uh, more manageable? Well, there are technologies we're developing that will be part of the electric business, mm -hmm. but will also be used across our pro business and our ice business, our gas business. Mm -hmm. And that's things like the digital electrical architecture, which is a new upgrade we're going to bring forward here in the next couple of years that's going to change the whole experience you have with the vehicle from the way you interface with the interior of the vehicle and then our ability to update the vehicle over the air and provide new features or experiences or services. And that'll be across all three. So part of the development for the electric business is also going to help the gas business as well as the commercial business. So just broad picture, too, and I've covered commodities for a long time. Um, I'm hearing reports like Glencore, for example, they might have to shutter a nickel mine because the demand for EVs isn't there, and that's causing them problems on the mining side. What I see playing out, though, is when that S-curve really moves, you're not going to have the stuff. Like, how do you make sure you have the nickel, the uh, lithium, all the stuff you need when the demand isn't there today? Right. Go back 18 months, right? Okay, 18 okay. months ago. 18 months ago, the narrative was, look, People aren't going to have the minerals so every, or the batteries, so you have to vertically integrate. You have to create your own battery plants, right? So it's shifted a bit. I think what needs to happen now is we need to be more thoughtful as we go forward. And of course, we're going to have to balance that. But I think the demand signals as we move through time are going to be much clearer than they were a year ago or two years ago. And so I think we'll have a little bit more time to get out in front of things. What is your biggest headache? I'm going to give you like five multiple choice, OK? OK. So, we can, so what's the biggest headache you have right now? Is it government policy, because that could change in like eight months, Tesla price cuts, competition from cheap China EVs, or your costs, whether that's labor, whether that's material cost or interest rates? Yes. Awesome. Good. I'm glad yes. we solved that. <laughs> those are all. Those are three key variables that we need to work on uh, continuously. What's the hardest for you? Um, I would say that right now um, it's cost. It's making sure that we get to an affordable cost structure that can allow us to generate what you started out with is an affordable EV that can appeal to more customers. How do you do that, though? I mean, we look at competitors. I mean, I think you kind of referenced BYD. Uh, obviously, we know the, the sort of business model that Tesla has taken here. The structure of Ford is the structure of its supply chain. The relationship you have with your workers and the contracts you have with unions puts you at a higher baseline cost level than some of those uh, pure play EV competitors. Well, you know, there's advantages as well yeah. um, that we have. And that's why we've started what we call the Skunk Works Project, which is a small group of uh, EV experts working outside of Dearborn to develop the most uh, cost-effective uh, platform from not only from the standpoint of the material cost that's required, but also the manufacturing, the supply chain, mm -hmm. the logistics, and then how we distribute and uh, sell the vehicles. We're looking at taking breakthroughs there, and that's why we have a small team working on that mm -hmm. to change the way we do things and actually provide us significant breakthroughs. And we love what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's been fantastic, and we're really encouraged by their work. How many? Uh, what's the, been the conversation uh, at Ford about the charging network? Uh, there's been a lot of discussion that some of the slow pace of EV adoption, and we should point out non-Tesla EV adoption, was less about the individual automakers and more about what most people perceived as a lackluster charging network across well, the nation. Well, clearly that's a pain point yeah. for EV customers. Um, what we've done is we've thought about what would be the best for our customers. Yeah. Well, first is you know that uh, we're joining the Tesla charge network. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we've done is for all of our EV dealers, 
what we've said is that to be an EV dealer, we've set standards. One of those standards is that they have to have high-speed charging. And on average, you are no further than 20 miles from a Ford dealer in the United States, wherever you're at. That's going to open up significant charging for our customers as well. Are the majority of your dealers on board with this? A majority of the dealers are becoming certified EV dealers. The ones that aren't? What's your relationship with them? Well, I think they'll come along. They'll have another opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's a, the adoption rate's different around the country. If you take yeah. the West Coast, like Oregon, Washington, and California, 30% of our F-Series sales are EV, another 15 to 20% are hybrid. So up to 50% of our F-Series sales yeah. out on the West Coast are uh, electric vehicles. That's what happens when gasoline's over $5 exactly. on a consistent basis. You're <laughs> exactly. like, I'm gonna go with the EV, I don't care about charging network. Um, to policy, so two, two pronged. One is that the Biden administration supports EVs and also have stringent requirements on what sales have to be of EVs, but then you have a possible President Trump that wouldn't care about EVs. Which policy is better? Well, I don't know that one's better than the other. I'm not going to get you down that road. You have to say that, but, yeah. I mean, but, what, but, yeah. but I think what we need to think about is that you also have the states involved as well. Mm -hmm. And the, regardless of what is done at the federal level, I think the states are going to continue down the path they're down. And that's going to drive us to be more, uh, more efficient from a uh, CO2 standpoint and need to meet their compliance requirements. So I think it's multifaceted, and you have to look at each of those variables, federal, state, and uh, satisfy both of those. And and then to that point, the, the battery factories or construction that you're building across different states like in Kentucky, Tennessee, or Michigan, you've already cut some of those. What is your level of confidence that where you guys are at right now with those investments stay? Very confident. We okay. think we've right-sized based on the demand curves we see now, which have been adjusted down. So we've right-sized the capacity going in, and I think we're in a good spot relative to what we see coming. All right, John, appreciate you taking time for us. John Lawler there is the CFO over at Ford Motor. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.